This is the 343 Podcast. I'm your host, John Pronich. Welcome to the show. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the 343 Podcast. Today's guest is Ben Harold. Ben caught my attention with some interesting tweets and blog posts during the 2019 U20 World Cup, specifically his grading scale that he has been using to evaluate the player performances of the U.S. Uh, youth national team. So I wanted to talk to him about that grading scale that he's been using, and I wanted to get an idea of where it came from and possibly where it might be going. And while talking with Ben, the idea came up to share his spreadsheet allowing more people to use it and then look for trends in all of the data collected. You can find that spreadsheet on his website and it is now available to download. But keep in mind, the evaluations are subjective, but Ben's evaluations are still a very cool experiment. And at the very least, it could be super fun for you to play along and use that spreadsheet while you're watching a game to evaluate one player or a few players or even an entire roster. So you can connect with Ben on Twitter or find... Uh, more of his work by visiting his website and links to all of his platforms are available in the write-up of this podcast on 343coaching.com. And that is also where you can learn more about the 343 Premium Coaching Membership Program. It is a powerful and proven coaching education program that can take you and your team to the next level. David Copeland-Smith, founder of Beast Mode Soccer, is in his sixth year as a 343 member. And he said, and I quote, Honestly, it's worth 10 times the yearly membership. You're not investing in the drills. You're investing in your education, a proven methodology, and a phenomenal community of progressive coaches, end quote. The 343 Premium Membership gives you 24-7 access to video lessons, ebooks, and audio recordings that help you learn the 343 philosophy and methodology. You can learn more about the benefits of the 343 Premium Coaching Membership Program by visiting 343coaching.com. And if you're looking for a high quality and custom training ball to add to your training gear to go along with your high quality training education, be sure to check out our sponsor, Bounce Athletics. They have a new package deal that includes custom training balls and custom numbered training vests that will help you get through tryouts and get your upcoming season started off the right way. You can order 24 custom training balls and 24 custom numbered reversible training vests for just $6.99. And if you want more, they have more. You can get 48 balls and 48 vests for $11.99. To make things even better, 343 listeners get an additional 10% discount on all orders. These package deals are great for high schools, colleges, clubs, and camps. The balls that Bounce Athletics provide have all of the modern technology that Nike, Adidas, and Select do, but the Bounce Athletic balls will only cost you a fraction of the price. And to make it even better to stack on top of that 10% discount, you can uh, get free mock-ups of what your balls and what your custom vests will look like uh, before you place your orders. That way you can see exactly what they will look like when they arrive on your doorstep and make sure that you are making a good decision. All you have to do is just send your logo to info at bounceathletics.com and they will shoot you back some uh, some mock-ups. So 
make sure you go check them out. And whenever you're ready, you can actually start the order processes, but I, uh, sorry, eh, start the order process by emailing info at bounceathletics.com as well. And just make sure that you mention 343. So that way you receive your additional 10% discount. That's a key ingredient to that deal. So once again, info at bounceathletics.com to start the order process. And then make sure you mention 343 to cash in on your discount. All right, uh, let's get into today's episode. I hope that you enjoy this chat with Half Spaces himself, Mr. Ben Harold. Good afternoon. Hey, what's up, Ben? How are you? I'm well. How are you doing, John? Doing good, man. Doing good. Excited for this phone call. Me too. Yeah, our uh, our first time our first time talking on the phone. We actually just uh, just recently started interacting with each other on social media. So this is uh, this is all coming about pretty quick. Yeah, I've been listening to your podcast for a while, but uh, it's fun to finally talk to you. Oh, nice! I didn't I didn't realize that. I didn't make your I didn't make your list of uh, of top American podcasts. So <laughs> <laughs> I kind of I've been sent, browsing my site. Yeah, I sent you I sent you a tweet the other day, kind of joking about it because I just I just came across your your website and so I, I was poking around looking at the different stuff you had and I saw the list of uh, of American podcasts and I was like hey what's up dude I, haven't, I didn't make your list <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's an oversight I should probably put you on there I, no. I do tend to just concentrate on people who just talk about like the U.S. men's national team and the youth teams that sort of thing dude it's uh th- I'm actually happy you brought that up because it's something that's been on my mind a lot lately and and as I was kind of finding my footing in the podcasting world, a lot of people criticized me because I didn't have female guests and I didn't talk about women's soccer and, and I didn't talk enough about certain topics. And I'm going to sound like a jerk for saying this out loud, but it's it's not that I don't care about those things. It's just, it's, it's just that I, I focus so much more attention on the U.S. men's national team that that's, you know, that's where my brain usually um, usually goes when I talk about soccer issues. So it was, it, it wasn't that I was intentionally leaving that stuff out. It's just, that's where I, I started to focus. And then I tried to play this game of balancing back and forth and covering everything. And I've noticed that it's just, it, I don't know if it works out great or if it, if it, if it doesn't, but it's just, it's a weird spot to be in. So, yeah. Right. I, I tend to look at your guests and like, Oh, that one's cool. And I'll, I'll listen to that or, you know, kind of listen like that, which is, which is cool. I think, I think that in a way that it can serve, that purpose like if i have somebody on that's really into college soccer you know a lot of college coaches tune in and listen and if i have somebody that's on that talks a lot about youth soccer like that's very good for youth coaches to listen to so not every episode is meant for for every every listener i guess but right, um, right. you hit a whole bunch of different niches yeah, yeah yeah which is which is cool i guess but man i i i love digging into the to the men's national team and 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 all the youth uh, the youth national teams underneath it so that that really is uh what uh what, what gets my blood flowing yeah, i'm right there with you on that <laughs> so yeah so i'm actually uh i'm pretty excited to to talk with you about uh about number one who you are and 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 what what kind of you know was prompted all this stuff that you've been releasing the last uh the last couple of weeks and then also to kind of dig into the to the details of of what you actually just hit publish on just a few minutes ago uh before before i called you so um I guess let's uh, let's start with an introduction from you. Like, who who are you? Um, what what about or, or what niche are you trying to fill in the um, men's U.S. men's soccer landscape? And and then we'll go from there. 
Well, more or less, I'm uh, <laughs> I'm an obsessed fan turned uh, turned website operator. Um, I, oh, keep go going, ahead. sorry. Yeah, keep going, keep going. <laughs> so um, I'm way into soccer. I uh, kind of came to it later in life. Um, kind of actually got into it through the uh, the run the U.S. made in the O2 World Cup. I actually remember I was working a uh, third shift to uh, help pay for college at the time at a factory. And I came home and I remember seeing uh, the US, like the second half of the U.S.-Germany game. And it's kind of grown exponentially since then. Um, and it's gotten to the point where I kind of don't know anybody that is uh, as into U.S. soccer as me. <laughs> so the website has kind of almost been uh, cathartic. I have all these thoughts racing around my brain. And it's a place to get them out, if that makes sense. No, one hundred percent. I'm, I'm, I'm sure that you suffer from the same, um, the same illness that a lot of people that listen to this podcast do. Where uh, you're probably the one person in your friend group that is looked at as like the the soccer obsessed person. <laughs> exactly correct. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's always fun to be like the person like you're you go out with your friends or whatever in a soccer games on TV and then the friend looks at you like hey what's what are they doing or why did that happen or what's the what's the deal with that yellow card? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's getting more common. I've got one buddy at work who's real into the Premier League, but he doesn't tend to care as much about national team stuff as I do. And actually, um, the last time. Um, the U.S. played Mexico and Columbus. I live in the Cleveland area, so I've gone to the last couple um, of those games. I was actually going to take the next day off school. I'm a, I'm a science teacher. It's my real job. But uh, I was like, well, I'm going to get home late. And then two other guys go into the game, too. So I'm like, oh, crap. I can't. <laughs> we can't all miss school the next day. So <laughs> uh, <laughs> it is getting more common, but uh, my level of interest is uh, beyond most <laughs> most of the people I know, at least. What what do you think um, infected you? What was what what was the bug that you caught around around that time? You mentioned that it was like the U.S. Germany game, but like what like what about it or or what immediately after that was what got you hooked? Have you ever thought about that? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I think part of the appeal to me is I kind of feel like um, I was sort of getting on in on the ground floor of U.S. soccer. Ah, uh, yeah. Does that make sense? I'm like the guy who played Madden and never actually played a game. I would just like trade all my guys away and then like redraft a new team. (laughs) (laughs) I don't, I don't know Madden, but I'm assuming that you can do the same thing in FIFA because I feel like I've done the same thing there. So correct. Like the team (laughs) building. So I almost feel like the U S is kind of in like still in the team building mode. Mm. If that makes sense. Yeah, I gotcha. I gotcha. Um, and then, and then the scientist aspect that you just that you just dropped on me. This is interesting, and, and now we can kind of transition into uh, this evaluation sheet that you've that you've been experimenting with over the last few weeks with the U twenties. Um, th- this this kind of explains something to me. Then, so the science and, and this this numbers kind of game that that you have a background with is now translating um, to how you're watching and and interpreting the soccer games and has that always been something that you've done and now that you're just releasing it or is this something that's brand new to you as well um it's sort of new to me uh full disclosure i the um so i'm from detroit i mentioned earlier there's a website called mgo blog that's basically a uh, a guy who's a humongous michigan fan that has kind of made a website about it and he does something similar it was called ufr a call upon further review and he breaks down Michigan football games in a, a similar manner, like assigning a plus minus rating for each individual play during a football game. And I would read those during the season and 
uh, in the past couple of weeks here, I've like kind of had the idea of like, well, could this be done for soccer? So I tried it once and now I've done it a few times and it's uh, evolved along the way to the point where I've sort of got a system going here in a spreadsheet, which I think you mentioned earlier. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm imagining how much easier it would be to track events in a football game versus our football versus a soccer game because soccer is so continuous. Uh, obviously, when the ball goes out of bounds or with, with DVR, maybe you can hit pause and play. But in football, there's those natural breaks where you can right. just, you can you, you can take your your eyes off the screen and write down a, a a number or something like that. So I'd imagine that's right. You can rewatch that one play a bunch of times or whatever for yeah. different nuances. But yeah, soccer is has been a challenge because it's so uh, yeah, there's so it's so flowing. There's not a lot of you know stops and starts. So I feel like we're kind of dancing around like what this actually is, um, and, and listeners that don't know what we're talking about, they're probably like, "All right, guys, like, <laughs> t- tell us what, what the big reveal is right here." So maybe maybe take a second and uh, and explain um, what this evaluation sheet is, and and how you've and, and maybe how you started using it, and then what it's morphed into to uh, this point. All right. So to begin with, all I really did was listed the names of. Um, the starting lineup on like the left side of a piece of paper and then split it up into four columns. Um, any, everything from minus one all the way up to uh, plus two. And anytime something notable happened and um, the rating system is a little bit subjective because, you know, what's notable to me may not be to you and, you know, the guy down the road or whatever. But anyway, anything that I felt like was an above average or a below average moment in the game, I would assign a plus or minus value to. Um, there's lots of pausing and rewinding. It takes a while. But uh, you go through the game, and at the end of the game, the players come out each with a uh, you know a plus or a negative score. Um, so it's come from a uh, like a scribbled mess on a sheet of paper to the point where I now have a uh, you know like a fairly readable spreadsheet set up um, that you can actually download on the website if you're interested. It's just uh, halfspaces.com. But um, I don't know. I'm trying to standardize it to make it less subjective, but uh, just by the nature of it, um, it's always uh, going to be something that everybody can't exactly agree on is how good of a play or bad of a play that was. And how, uh, how is like your science background influenced the way that you try to eliminate that subjectivity? Because I think you started out with a minus one to plus two scale and now it's like all the way up to minus five plus five, right? Uh, so yes, no matter what it's going to, so in, a, in an experiment, you want to try to, um, narrow it down to one variable and just be testing that one thing. And that's never going to happen in a soccer game. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I've had people suggest, you know, all the way up to plus five, minus five and yada, yada. So the way I have it set up now is, you know, 90% plus of the events are, um, negative one, negative two, plus one or plus two. And then I've got one column that's basically a special play or awful play column. So when like Tim Wales looked that through ball to uh, Soto in the last game, I gave that a plus four. Now, I mean, maybe it was a plus three or you think it was a plus five or whatever, but I try to um, narrow it down at least. So the, uh, the subjectivity is not as, uh, uh, as great a variable. Yeah, no, it, 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 it makes sense. Um, and that, that play that you're talking about specifically, like I'm replaying it in my head. I think it, it started with a ball out of the back from, from Kata. Kata. 
and it went out to a wide player. I can't remember who received it that was on the line. Whoever that was yeah. played it into Uli, Uli to Weya, Weya to Soto, Soto scored. So I'm I'm curious how uh, how how you rated kind of like all the different actions in that in that sequence because in my and and I've been very vocal about the fact that I'm not a big fan of Keda, um, but that mm-hmm. that particular pass that he made, you know, for a center back. In my, if I was going to give that a score, like that's an automatic plus two or plus three just for that one pass from Keda, which I, I don't think cancels out all of his other terrible crap that he's done uh, over the course of the tournament. But, um, but that that was a pretty phenomenal pass from him to start that entire sequence. Right, I completely agree. I actually somebody tweeted that play out, and I went back and looked at my notes, and I'm like, how did I not give him a, a plus for that? Yeah. So. Yeah, he definitely deserved a, like, I, would, I don't know, I'd probably get rewrite in there with you, a plus two or a plus three on that. But then I think if I'm remembering the play right, I gave um, I gave Yana's a plus one for the pass. And then actually, I don't know if you remember, but um, Pomacall won like a 50-50 ball at that point that I gave him a plus one for. Ooh, that's, and a, then that's, a, that's a different goal. That was, that was talking the, about a different goal? That was the third goal. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, yeah. So people that um, had a a play that contributed positively, like when a goal gets scored, a lot of pluses get spread around. I try to go back and look at the play and give a plus to everybody that was involved in a in a notable way. How uh, how how different or similar is this to the new X chain number? xg chain number that's floating around I, I i've only seen that and much like the guy that adam bells interviewed yesterday frank franco i can't remember his last name i don't pay uh, much atten- yeah, yeah. I, I i don't i don't put too much stock in the x chain things um or the, those those stats um but i'm curious like how much uh that has influenced you or if at all if that if that is um, you at all, I'm familiar with the XG, the goals, I, and the X chain is the pass before the pass. Is that right? I think so. <laughs> I don't yeah, know. I, I don't I'm know to be even, honest. I'm not even sure. Yeah. So the X chain, I wouldn't say has influenced it at all. Uh, the X affects it goals. I, I would not really either. It was just basically a, a way for me to try to evaluate players in some kind of way that I could put a put a value on. Hey, sit tight. We are going to hear a quick message from our sponsor, Bounce Athletics. It's a part-time DOC. I had a budget and, you know, we needed training gear every year and it just was getting more and more difficult to find decent, high quality, affordable training balls. That's Zach. He's the co-founder of Bounce Athletics. And as a coach, he was having a hard time finding quality soccer balls at an affordable price. So he started searching for ways to solve that problem for himself and for others. We've been able to experiment with a lot of different textured materials and construction methods, and and I think we've really got it dialed in to to where now you know with with our training balls we're providing super high level training balls that have all the modern technology in them for a fraction of the price of global brands. Zach and Bounce Athletics are offering three four three members and listeners ten percent off orders of those custom premium soccer balls that he was just talking about. Email info at bounceathletics.com to start the order process and be sure to mention 343 to receive your 10% discount. All right, let's get back to the show. As a, 
as a scientist, as a, as a trained scientist and, and somebody that has to, you know, think about the, the subjective aspect of this and, and whatnot, how, uh, how dangerous is it for, for somebody to, to try to just put a number on these types of things that are really, that are really in, in a lot of ways immeasurable? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm just a guy. Uh, <laughs> so, I mean, if, I'm, I'm fairly happy with the way numbers have been coming out. They tend to, they seem to match my eye test. But uh, hey, if you think, I, if anybody thinks I'm an idiot, you're welcome to tell me about it. <laughs> I don't, I don't think that's, I don't think you're going to get too much of that feedback. But that's why I think it's going to be interesting, though, if more people decide to download and then uh, download the sheet and and play along like uh, like you've been doing to get more of like that, that data and then see what, what that data shows, you know, with more people, uh, using, using this, um, using this scale. Cause I, I think that that might tell a, a pretty interesting story. Like if everybody is collectively in, in agreement that, you know, Kata is, is the worst performing player on the team, which it seems like from a couple of your charts, he's been either, you know, at the bottom or second to bottom. If I remember correctly, yeah. the majority of the games, it's like, okay, well, if that's the consensus across, you know, a hundred people that, that, that decide to play this game with you, then maybe there's some truth to that. And then if you start to see maybe irregularities like, um, you know, Wea being the top performer or for, for 50 people and then Wea being a, a, a mid tier performer for 50 people like, oh, like, you know, what's wrong there? What, what are we not seeing eye to eye on that? I think that that could create some interesting debate and, and, and thoughts. Right. The more times you run an experiment, the more accurate results get, right? So that's the idea. I don't know. I have zero experience with that, though. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. Uh, well, I teach 12-year-olds, so I'm not going to say their experiments <laughs> are all exactly uh, following the methods, right? But uh, you're a coach. How do, how do you rate players? Like, how do you give them feedback on what they're, you know, I mean, do they get a report card or how does that work? Uh, it's it's interesting. I think at different points of my coaching career, I've I've gone in and out of wanting to provide something like, you know, on paper, like something tangible that they can, uh, you know, they can see or feel. Um, but as a staff of one, it's, uh, it's difficult to provide that in-depth uh, review for every single player. And, and it's not like a, like a professional staff that has like the, the stats department, basically that's, you know, the kids are, uh, the players are wearing their little training bras that, that take all their GPS right. coordinates and everything like that. And, you know, uh, tracks their, their heart rates. And um, I don't have anybody that's counting passes and things like that. So as a coach of one, it's very, very difficult. And so I've actually moved away from any type of, of anything similar to that because I don't feel like it would do it any, any justice. And so you kind of just have to do the eye test as a coach and, and you have to go back and, and I, I go back and whenever I can, I watch film and I try to figure out where breakdowns are and incorrect and, and like that, but no, no real scoring or anything like that. No scorecard or, or report card, um, which I, I, I don't think is a bad idea. Um, if, if there were more, uh, more people involved on, on the staff or more, you know, more, what am I looking for? Um, 
the word finance keeps coming to my head, but uh, more resources, <laughs> more available. resources yeah. available. There we go. More resources to record available. practice or something. Yeah. And, and to break it down and be super analytical about it. I, I think that there's a lot of benefits to that. Um, but you know, I think a lot of coaches that are, that are going to tune into this, they're going to be like, well, if, if I had that luxury, it would be nice to use, but I don't. Right. So, um, yeah. so finding, finding ways to, to mimic it or, or to just, you know, provide the, the best that you can, I think is all that we can do a lot of times. Hmm. but uh maybe it's something that that you know coaches can take a uh this sheet that you've you've created and maybe a parent films their game and then they can go back and they could use this to evaluate their own games i i, I don't know yeah like, like this is th- that's totally within the realm of possibility and i think that it'd be very useful for coaches to sit down and have a tool uh like like the spreadsheet you've created to to watch and, and analyze their games yeah, actually, uh, I played tennis in high school and college, and one of the coaches I had in high school would uh, would make us chart our uh, our teammates' matches. So oh, we would uh, sit sit on the bleachers behind him, and he'd want us to record like how many forehand errors we made, how many backhand errors we made. And you know, you know, at sixteen, nobody wanted to do it, but <laughs> <laughs> the coach, you know, had us do that in the in the background. And looking back, do you do you see like a like how valuable that either was or or could have been? Oh yeah. I mean, if, uh, if, you know, our 16 year old boys at the time had taken it seriously instead of wanting to play in the bleachers, uh, yeah, it could have been, it could have been a very useful tool. <laughs> yeah, totally. Um, I want to, I want to shift gears away from the, the, the plus minus evaluation sheet. People can find that on halfspaces.com. Super easy to find on there. Um, but what, what actually first caught my eye on your website and I shared it with a couple, uh, colleagues of mine, was your your spreadsheet that was keeping the valuation numbers of, of American players. Um, and I think you use transfer market to kind of track uh, the value of, of, of players or their current value. Actually, the change in value too, uh, according right. to the transfer market. So that's actually what first caught my attention uh, about, about you. And I, I read that and, and it prompted me to kind of go and look at what the actual salaries were of some of the MLS players because that's data that that is available and, mm-hmm. and the difference in the in the you know the salary versus or versus the you know the open market value valuation of a player I guess I don't know if that's the right term but um yeah that's that's what prompted me to to initially reach out to you okay yeah um that's something I started doing just because um I mean I'm on Twitter a lot and certain players start getting attention whether it's you know a young player breaking through or a guy who's getting shot with the national team and uh, for whatever reason, and um, like you start being hyped. So the only way I could think of to like quantify hype was what is their, you know, value Um, transfer market. I mean, take it for what it's worth, but it it seems like they're trying to be fairly scientific about how they, they rate players. But um, the best way for me to kind of come up with a number there, I guess we're sensing a theme here is um, (laughs) uh, how much that player is worth. And uh, transfer market provides you know those numbers for not everybody, but of the vast majority of uh, of players. Now, I, I have a I, I have a hard time understanding the difference between like uh, like a valuation, uh, like a like a player's market, <laughs> sorry, uh, player's market worth versus mm-hmm. like their year yearly salary. Like, what what's the difference between those two, or or what should people, uh, what do people need to know about the difference in those two? Well, um, a player's valuation is what teams are willing to pay for them. 
So in American sports, you know, if you if the Yankees want a guy off the Red Sox or the Reds, I guess would be a better example. They offer to trade players for them in, uh, in the European soccer market. We're just like, we'll give you X amount of you know money for that person. So the, uh, the valuations is how much they would cost to purchase from one club to another. Uh, and then the salary would be just you know, how much that player is going to get paid uh, you know, per year. Got it. Got it. Yeah, I think, um, uh, my, I, and I and I speak a lot um, from my own ignorance too, because when I see a number of like you know five hundred thousand dollars for X player, um, I'm thinking like there's no way that that person's making five hundred thousand dollars a year. Like that's my initial reaction when I see something like that, or when I right, actually, when, yeah. when I saw your stuff. But then I have to quickly like retrain my brain. Like, yeah, that's that's not what he's making per season. That's what somebody paid to acquire him. So I think that yeah. that's a, important for people to understand. But um, what what prompted what initially prompted you to to kind of get into into that, and how did you find out about transfer market, and how did you how did you know where to look for all this type of stuff? Because that's not necessarily a common knowledge when it comes to soccer fandom. Well, um, as I mentioned before, I'm a I'm a bit of a, a soccer nerd here. So transfer market <laughs> is uh, gets it gets quoted in like newspapers if you read articles and uh, from across the across you know in Europe. Um, they'll mention their transfer market valuation when they're talking about, uh, you know, player X. So, um, honestly, it just, (laughs) when I started this website, I guess in January, maybe my goal was to write something once a week. I mean, I've got a a full-time job. I've got a wife and two kids. So, um, it's the summer now, so I can full on, full on geek out. But, uh, during the, during the school year, it's a lot harder. So I, my original thought was like, all right, let's try to write something once a week. And this was just one of those ideas that popped into my head. I, I have like a list of ideas for, all right, what do I want to write next? And one of the things that came up was, hey, I bet I could make some, um, you know, cool charts and do a little bit of evaluation based on, you know, you know, Tyler Adams went from being valued at 4.5 million to 5.1, and I think I just saw they updated him today. He's up to like almost 15 million. Oh wow! So. Yeah. So, and honestly, if, I think if somebody tried to buy him from um, from Red Bull Leipzig, there's no way it'd be 15 million. But yeah, no, I, I I don't I don't think there's any chance it'd be close to 15 million because too many too many clubs now, and I'm sure Red Bull Red Bull knows this as well. But you know the the potential of an American superstar. Um, <laughs> the potential of having the next Christian, uh, Christian Pulisic, I guess, is, is almost immeasurable at this point. Um, is it, it weird how, how quick? Oh, go ahead. No, it's just it's like fifteen million is, is an incredibly lowball offer when you when you think about the amount of uh, attention and revenue generation a, a, a super young player like Christian has had already in his career, and, and you're tapping into a market of three hundred plus million people. And one of the most vibrant soccer markets in the world, regardless of the performance of the U.S. men's national team and regardless of, of, of the of the performance or growth or, or decline of MLS, whatever side you're on there. It's like there there is a very vibrant soccer market here that that is very in tune with global soccer and, and Christians and Christians have been the, the incredibly strong indicator of that. And I don't think anybody can debate that. So. Yeah, it's it's crazy how quickly that flipped. I feel like I don't know, maybe even five years ago, being an American was considered like a handicap. You know, I mean, the coach didn't want an American on the team, that sort of thing. And now I almost feel like you would pay a, a surcharge for having an American. 
Well, and, I, and, I, and to be honest, I feel like U.S. soccer realized that too. Like U.S. soccer was like, oh, like no problem, no need to really have any protection or anything in place for the American players. And then all of a sudden you start seeing foreign teams opening up um, academies here. Bar- Barcelona has opened, I don't know how many academies now in the United States. Um, you, you see teams opening offices in New York and Los Angeles and, and things like that. And you see... Um, American players being scouted by by foreign clubs and, and being invited to come over on trials and, and being invited to come uh, to come join the clubs for free and, and yeah and and so I think that with Christian and maybe a few other players too and um, probably a few other fortunate results over the course of the last decade uh, by the U.S. men's national team um, like beating Spain comes to mind in 2009 and and you know just tapping into the, that American market. I think that clubs saw and still do see a lot of value in the American market. And you see it with the, with the summer tours that the clubs do in, in the United States and selling out, um, Michigan stadium, um, Spart- yeah. Spartan, is it Spartans? Are they the Spartans? No, the Wolverines, no, Wolverines, Wolverines. Um, you, you just take some people off my map. <laughs> Whoops. Um, but <laughs> we'll yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. But, but selling out that stadium with a hundred thousand people for a, a July soccer friendly, it's like, okay, you know, there's stuff here. So yeah, the, yeah. super interesting to me. So yeah, when you get a person like Tyler Adams, um, yeah, yeah I, I think it's, it's not even, um, not even fair to say that he's worth 5 million at this point. It's gotta be, it's gotta be skyrocketed. Oh yeah. I actually, uh, and I think Germany realized this before anybody else I actually wrote something a while back about that because look at all the young prospects in Germany. I mean, I think they, they realized they fell behind with, uh, you know, the whole premier league being, you know, the, the brand of, uh, you know, of choice these days. And I think they're trying to catch up by, uh, you know, signing all the American prospects they can. Well, another interesting caveat to Germany's um, acceptance of so many of American players is just their acceptance of foreign-born players in general. So, oh yeah, a lot of a lot of countries have uh, very major restrictions on how many foreign players, foreign-born players, can be rostered or even just be in the entire club. Like France is one of the most strict in in UEFA about how many foreign born players can be in the entire club which is crazy really? and then i didn't know that about france yeah it's it's like a super it's a super low number and so the way that they they kind of like have to um rig it so you can get all these foreign players on on the number one the first team is always the priority but also in the academy like it's it's a very huh. it's a very interesting equation that they have to do and and probably the more um talked about one is is the premier league or, or clubs in england um in in general is like getting a work permit in england for for a foreign uh, person not just not just a foreign athlete but uh, a foreign person is incredibly hard and establishing yourself as an as an eu citizen who knows what's going to happen with their brexit thing oh um, yeah that's gonna be a mess yeah i I've, I, I, keep, I always relate everything back to football so it's like you know what's, <laughs> what is that going to do for all those work permits um but but getting a work permit in the uk is always um, you know, traditionally been very, very difficult. So guys like, um, who was over there for a while? I think Juan Agadello was over there, like trying to, Oh yeah. Trying yeah to he was in. like playing in, he was playing in, um, Holland trying to get a work permit, I think. Yep. And so, so, uh, Zach Steffen is another good example right now. Uh, you know, yeah. signed with Manchester city, but going to go on loan in, in another country because it's easier there. Um, yeah. Fortuna, I think I saw. 
Yeah. Yeah. And, and another thing too is, is a lot of countries have, um, like the Netherlands, for example, have, um, minimum salary requirements that they need to pay foreign players. And so like the, the Richie Ledesma case is super interesting to me because Richie has to meet, uh, the expectations of, of what a, uh, a player needs to be in order to acquire that salary. And it's, it's not chump change over there. Like in the Netherlands, right. it's like, you know, it, I think it's over 200 G's. Um, yeah, it shows how much they value Ledesma. He's getting paid. Yeah. 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 So that, that's a, that's a super interesting part too. Going back full, full circle to why I went in that little uh, rant is you know, Germany. It's, it's basically like open door policy. So anybody can come in and, and that's why they've been so successful with getting people like McKinney, getting people like Adams, Pulisic, um, Mendez, Yanez and, and Sargent and, and the list, it goes on and on and on with American players that are flooding Germany right now. But, yeah, they got me to pay for a, a Fox Soccer match pass last year because of it. <laughs> right. So, but yeah, it's 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 very true. Um, I'd be I'd be curious to see the distribution of 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 monies uh, with those TV contracts and things like that because I know in Spain it's different. Like Barca and Real Madrid own pretty much all the TV rights. Um, right. But I, I don't know how they distribute in in Germany. I don't know if everybody's getting a piece of the pie, which would be interesting to know. Yeah. Um. All right, man. I don't want to. I don't want to take up too much of your time. I hope that I hope that people are still still tuned into this. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I want to give you a chance too to talk about. You know, is there anything in particular that uh, that has caught your interest over the, this this U twenty tournament? Uh, is there anything you're looking forward to? The next game is going to be against Ecuador. Um, any any thoughts or concerns or ideas revolving around the U twenties? Uh, not really. I mean, there's been a lot of drama with Tab. Or I mean. Uh, how much does Twitter drama count? But, uh, you know, tab playing the, his guys kind of thing. It's cause it, I mean, it seems like maybe Scott should, uh, you know, Ochoa should start over Scott or maybe Yanez deserves a shot or uh, stuff like that. But, um, for the most part, I'm, uh, I'm pretty happy with the way things have gone. Obviously. I mean, that, um, that France win is, you know, what the, one of the best youth national team wins that, that I can never remember. Yeah, and it's uh, it's a super important win, and and I don't think that the I don't think that the guys in this group should uh, should be discredited whatsoever because this this particular group of players has has been very successful when they're together, winning the the Concacaf Championships. They've won uh, or or finished um, very well at some of the other you know youth tournaments that they get invited to. Like I I, I went and watched them play in Prague a couple of years ago and. And, mm-hmm. and, and they they performed excellent. They 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 performed against some of the the biggest nations in the world multiple multiple times. Um, I think the the selection of uh, friendlies and, and things like that that the teams are that the teams have been playing like they've already played France. They they already played them. They they played France in two friendlies over yeah less than yeah six they knew they were getting into yeah. And, and so, like, I don't, I don't think the preparation or anything should should be discredited. And I also don't think that you know the the history that these this particular group of players has together should be discredited because it's a pretty. They're, I'm hesitant to say the word special, but they're a unique group compared to to well, past groups. It's encouraging to me because it seems like the U.S. is finally starting to like stack cohorts, if that makes sense. Like yep. this group seems pretty good. The next group coming up seems pretty good. So if a guy busts out, we're not left with nothing at that position. Yep. Yep. 
I know. I, I enjoyed uh, somebody put like the little roster builder thing up and it showed like three or four different potential rosters, all of different players. And it's like, okay, well, that's like 44 players right there that are, you know, could potentially be in the mix. And that's, that's, that's pretty exciting. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to, I'm not right. going to, I mean, think about, about it. That. 10 years ago, if Altador hadn't, you know, turned into a decent player, what did we have it forward? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, now if, if Sargent doesn't hit, it looks like Soto might be pretty good. If, you know, Soto doesn't hit, it looks like Pepe is going to be pretty good. Or, you know, there's probably a million people I'm missing too. Yep. Yep, and that, I talked about that in the episode I released this morning with another guy named Sean Monahan about uh, oh, yeah. about uh, the fact that not everybody is it should be expected to make it to the full national team roster come twenty twenty two or twenty twenty six because when you think about it, like you know, there's there's still some great two thousand ones, two thousand twos, two thousand threes in the pipeline that could you know present themselves as, as viable candidates come twenty twenty six. Um, but there's also like you can't write off the 99s, 98s, 97s, 96s even um, right. for 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 those um, for those tournaments and and so it's like you know if if we can get two or three you know quality players out of every cycle I think that that's a massive massive uh, upgrade um, from, oh, yeah. from the last decade or, or maybe twenty years uh, in U.S. Yeah. order. So I think that the the Olympics next summer could be pretty interesting too. I mean, if you look at the roster, most of the U.S.'s uh, best players are going to be under 23 anyway. Yep. So yep. you had a couple overage players in there. You can send pretty darn close to the full national team to the Olympics if you wanted to. Yep. No, I agree. I agree. And 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 when you mentioned cohorts too, what what I immediately thought of uh, is how is how interesting it is to have the different relationships already established within the team. For instance, Soto and Ledesma, both coming from the same academy. Um, Yanez, yeah. Yanez and Mendez, both coming from the same academy. Not only the same academy, but they they grew up together, like from nine years old till now. Um, yeah, I've seen those pictures. It's cute. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, uh, and then even even like um, Pomacall and Richards and Cervania, like all. It was, I guess, maybe Richards and, and Savania to, to be more specific because they both came from Alabama, um, right? But, yeah. but all with FC Dallas kind of ties, and and I think about you know when Spain and when Barcelona and when Real Madrid and and there was one there was a third team that contributed contributed like a significant amount of players to Spain when they went on that tear like 2008, 2010, 2012. Um, mm-hmm. But it was really like like this collection of small societies that had great working relationships over the course of, of, uh, of the club season that then turned into just a powerhouse national team. So I think building something like that is very, very important. So I think that, right. You don't have to learn, learn how each other play all over again. Every, every time you get together. Yep. Yep. And I'm a big, uh, I don't know if that's a conspiracy theory, but I'm a big subscriber to that theory. So, yeah. Um, all right, man. Well, uh, one more time, plug, plug your stuff. Where can people find, uh, where can people find you connect with you and ask you questions and where can people find the, the evaluation sheet and some more articles? Uh, well, pretty much everything's available at halfspaces.com. Just look up the, the URL and click through the links. See if there's anything you're interested in. And then I'm, uh, I'm on Twitter. If you, if you search for half spaces, you'll find me there, but my actual handle is at B L Harold and that's H A R R E L D. I'm probably on there too much. Uh, <laughs> I'm ignore, ignoring my children, probably. Uh, that's all right. Just give them a phone too, and then it, then it's like modern day parenting, <laughs> <laughs> right? That's the best. <laughs> all 
All right, man. Well, I, I really appreciate your time and, and, uh, and, and I appreciate you, you know, dedicating your own time to, to just creating a, a, a little bit more of a, of a critical, uh, a, or taking a little bit more of a critical look at, at the American soccer system. So I appreciate that, man. All right. Appreciate you having me on. All right. Thank you for listening to another episode of the 343 podcast. And a big thank you to our sponsor, Bounce Athletics. I also want to leave you with one note from one of our members of the 343 coaching education program. His name is Thomas, and he's been a member for quite a while. And this is what he had to say. If you want to play insanely good with your team and start to understand the possession and positional game, this will give you a head start. I have tried the material on three ordinary teams, and after a year, they totally dominate the local teams. After two years, they are among the best in the region. The program 343 offers is not a complicated curriculum. It's actually simpler than you might think. But instead of more, you have to go deep in every detail. Thomas, thank you so much for that beautiful review, and I hope that everybody else finds that valuable. If you want more information about the 343 Coaching Education Program, the program that helps support and fund this podcast, you can visit 343coaching.com. All right, we'll catch you guys next time here on the podcast. Thank you so much for listening.